Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots. It is the RBC Heritage Edition. It is Matt Brown, it is Wes Reynolds, it is Kelly Bidlin. It's a road show for me, guys, so bear with me. Um, we're going to do some magic on the audio here and hopefully sound a little bit better somewhere along the way. You got Wes and Kelly yesterday to review the masters real quick just for me uh not a great week had i not jumped on john rom live would have been a loser i got very very lucky that i was able to get a 20 to 1 ticket on john rom live and that's really kind of the synopsis of me for the masters uh last week with everything um kelly i do want to start with you here real quickly as we head into rbc it is going to be an elevated event and so with it being an elevated event you know, do we bring anything from the Masters over with us here? This is typically one of those events where we do get some big name players, not all. And now we are going to get very, you know, the most of them that are going to be lining up for this. Is there is there anything at all that you are looking at from last week and carrying over with you to this week? Yeah, I think that's a I think that was a, one of the biggest questions for me of when I started kind of handicapping this tournament, because we've never really seen something like this before I, you know, they, this tournament was pretty big in what, what was it? 2020 when they first fired it up after, uh, after the COVID shutdown, we had some pretty big names there, but I mean, other than that, this is by far the biggest, biggest names when it comes to the field, this tournament's ever seen. And with it coming right after the masters, it's just a little bit different spot for, for the golf calendar and kind of what we're used to uh, seeing here field wise. So I, I think it's a great question, and I'm I'm not trying to dance around it completely because I think there are guys that I think there's some guys that you can put, you know, the tune up and the work that they put into a major, it will carry over to a week like this when you're not it's not traveling you're not traveling too far you're obviously just going from what one location to another, um, so yeah I, I think there's there's a lot of the, a lot of the same thoughts I had about some guys that that I kind of carried over to this week I think there are some guys that. You know, are we going to expect John Rom to not be affected at all by a win? 
you know, and coming out here, you know, maybe, maybe not, because maybe he's just John Robin. That's what he does. I, I think those are things, though, you have to keep in mind. I think for some of the guys that we saw, um, you know, maybe missing a cut last week for some people, like a Justin Thomas, was better than hanging around and being at the bottom of the leaderboard for the entire weekend. Uh, I think those are. I think it's all things you got to kind of ask yourself as you're as you're handicapping this tournament because it is. It's just something we don't we don't we don't typically see in a golf year. Wes, what about you? Are, are you looking at any form, any spike from last week, any dip from last week that happened at Augusta and and using it to, you know, what you would hope to be your advantage this week? Or are you just kind of moving on and kind of handicapping this tournament completely solo, completely separately? Yeah, this is uh, going to be an interesting handicap because, like Kelly said, this field now being a designated event, some of the trends that you can find or, or some of the, you know, the forms that you could find in previous years, I don't know how applicable they are because, you know, I had something in there and I usually have it in every year for this uh, write-up in the column at vcin.com in terms of master's hangover. From go back to 2010, 2010, obviously through last year, 2022, you only had three players that finished the top five the week before at the Masters. And then the following week at the RBC, Shane Lowry uh, did it last year. And then 2010 to 2022, only five players that were top 10 the week before at the Masters. And then we're also following it up the following week at the RBC Heritage. However, you know, those are usually very good fields, but not this quality of field where you have so many guys in this $20 million purse designated event. So yeah, I kind of, you know, just handicapped it, I guess, normal. I didn't really take those trends much into account that I would in previous years. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak to this when we get to our bets and Matt, I want to throw the question back at you because I think it is a good question and a good place to start when we're talking about this tournament, but I'm just looking at my bets right now and it's like, Okay, the cu- a couple of my bigger bets are me kind of riding some hot hands from last week that, you know, were on the first couple pages of the leaderboard, but, you know, weren't really in contention ever. Um, and then, like, I've got a few guys on this card that are, uh, you know, weren't involved at all in the Masters last week. And then I've got a couple of guys that didn't have good Masters performances that I think their numbers have just gotten way too bold on. So I've kind of got a mixed bag of everything here when we talk about how, how it relates to the Masters last week. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the and then the of course the fly in the ointment too is the fact that you know you, Jordan Spieth missed cut last year and goes and wins the, the Heritage you know the next week and so now we're sitting here going like man there's some guys that looked really good last week how much is this going to matter or man there's some guys that looked really bad last week how's that going to matter and then we we need only look back one year to find some sample size of someone that that had a bad Masters and was able to turn it around and fix it just over the course of a week. So it is a very interesting handicap, I think, overall here. And and Kelly, as you mentioned, we get this, you know, we get this star-studded field for the first time too. So it's a little bit different where we don't have form necessarily in at this tournament for a lot of these guys because this wasn't one of the tournaments that everybody made sure to put on their calendar. Yeah, for example, John Rahm, this will be his second appearance and Scotty Scheffler's never played here before. This will be his debut uh, to, uh, this week. So yeah, I mean, these are all things that uh, you got to factor in along with this being, I believe it is, uh, let me find the 17th most predictive as far as, uh, you know, t- tournament uh, uh, history here, uh, you know, year over year. So yeah. How do you combine all that when, when you're usually talking about much smaller, much worse fields? I think it does makes for an interesting handicap this week. 
So, of course, as always, guys, you can get Wes's write-up over at VEASAN.com, and we certainly want to direct you over there for the full breakdown of everything. But, Wes, can you give us a quick just kind of run-up of this course here, what we're looking at? I know it is one of the the shorter courses that we've seen in a hot minute of the uh, tournaments that we've handicapped here on Long Shots. Yeah, Harbortown Golf Links, Pete Dye Design, uh, and par 71, I think the listed yardage on the official scorecard this week is 72.13, but there'll be times with, you know, tee box placements and pin placements where it'll play under 7,200 yards. Coastal links design, you have a lot of dog legs, very tree lines, so you get some narrow sight lines off the tee that you're going to find with most courses that you'll play down in the Carolinas. The trees can disguise the wind a little bit. Now, some of these dog legs are going to force you to lay off the tee with less than driver, and when you look at the numbers, Harbortown is usually number one on the PGA Tour with fewest drives of over 300 yards, the second shortest average driving distance on the tour. I believe it's an average of 275.5 compared to a PGA Tour average of 288 yards. So you will see a lot of driver left in the bag this week, and guys will be taking three metal, guys will be taking hybrids or long irons. Uh, fairways and rough, overseeded rye, greens are overseeded poa, even though these are usually Bermuda greens, it's still, I think, dormant this time of year. Uh, one notable change uh, to this course, though, the rough typically only about three quarters of an inch. And it's been grown out to two and a half inches this year because they wanted to make this a little bit more difficult. So when we get into the modeling of stats, uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. Fairway width, about 33 yards, a little bit less than tour average. So, you know, this is a ball striking course. This is station to station target golf. These greens are tiny and dome shaped, which is a Pete Dye trademark across most of his designs. 3,700 square feet on average. That is the second smallest on the PGA Tour. Average speed, 11 and a half on the stem. You have water on uh, nine holes on this course. Uh, the way it breaks down, par 71, three par fives, 11 par fours. Two of the three are very reachable in two shots. Uh, Overall, the par fours uh, are pretty short when you compare to average. It's actually the par threes that are probably the toughest holes on this course. They rank as the ninth toughest on tour. They each play, I believe, over 190 yards. So, you know, a couple longer par threes that you will see on this design. So Pete Dye Design, if you're looking for correlations, aside from the other Dye Designs, TPC River Highlands, TPC Sawgrass, I think are the two probably closest facsimiles to uh, Harbortown here. But you want to look a little bit at Wileye, where the Sony Open is played. You want to look a bit at Sea Island Resort, where they play the RSM Classic. At Sedgefield, of course, being in the Carolinas, where they play the Wyndham Championship. I felt that those were the closest correlations this week. Kelly, um, I didn't want to dodge a question either. I'm sorry, I I skipped past that. I mean, I guess what I'm looking at from last week and carrying over to this week more along the lines of is, you know, with it being such a weather draw week last week and depending on which split you got was kind of the success that you had over at the Masters. I'm not going to say I'm completely ruling stuff out, but I am kind of giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. Um, If they Mm -hmm. played badly over there, I did look to see kind of if they were on some of the bad ends of the, of the weather splits and things like that. And it seems like a lot of the guys that we liked did get kind of a poor draw when it came to that. So for me, I am sort of, I'm sort of giving guys a pass here. Now, that being said, I'm sure we'll, we will touch on, on Justin Thomas, right. And, and he's a guy, this number has now drifted to a point where a lot of people are pretty attracted to it. Me, one of those guys as well. 
and even though he was in the poor draw guys, he, he has not been playing all that well lately. Right. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where we go uh, as, as golf betters and we, you know, we've grown to love the good Justin Thomas. And so we just assume that that good Justin Thomas is going to come back around, but Kelly, it's been a hot minute since we have seen four rounds of really good Justin Thomas golf. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is uh, for sure. Uh, he uh, ended up on my card last week and uh, spoiler alert, he's on my card again this week, but yes, because of the number, because of what you're talking about. Um, and no, it's not something I'm overly confident in. It's just a, I, I didn't play anything more than an outright price, outright on him. And just the outright price is getting a little ridiculous. Um, I was able to get him at 33 to one, but no, you're, you're totally right, man. I mean, I'm looking back at the last 36 rounds heading in here. He is 102nd, 101st in the field and strokes gained putting over that time. Like he can't make a putt. Um, you know, it just, I think just everywhere in his game is down a little bit, but that's the most noteworthy. Um, so yeah, man, I, is it a, is it a bargain price for a player of his caliber? Yes. And that's why I'm on it. But I complete, this is not, I think there are players like you're talking about where, um, you know, there's some other guys I'm, I focused on that we'll get to later that I think, you know, maybe struggled through or, or played fairly well through the struggling conditions that they were forced to play in that made me more attracted to them this week, you know, based, based off of what we saw at the masters. Um, but he's just a guy who didn't really look, he didn't really look good at all. And especially in that second round. And he cost me a lot of money missing that cut because of other guys that made the cut then. Um, so no thanks to you last week, JT, but yeah, I, it's just still, we bring it up so often and for in, in, he seems to be the guy that we bring it up the most often with, but he drifts to a certain number and I just, I just can't pass it by. And that that's the case this week. Speaking of those numbers, we look at the odds board. It is Scotty Scheffler at the top at plus 850. John Rahm's 10 to 1. Cantlay 12 to 1. Colin Morikawa is at 18. Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, and Jordan Spieth, Cameron Young all coming in at 22 to 1. These are all odds courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Tony Finau at 25, as is Sung J.M., Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Matt Fitzpatrick at 28, Shane Lowry at 35, and then Everybody else over at DraftKings is 40 to 1 or longer whenever we start to break down the odds boards here. No shock that was Scheffler and Rom at the top. Cantley coming in at 12 to 1, though he kind of disappointed a little bit. Could have had a chance to make a run yeah. last week and just didn't wasn't able to do it. Same thing, I guess, could be said about Victor Hovland as well. Wes, as you started to plug some stuff into your model this week, what were the statistics that you found most important? Yeah, and one other comment on the odds board, by the way. Uh, we did have Rory McIlroy withdraw on Monday morning, so that shortened some of the prices from the openers. Hideki Matsuyama, Jason Day skipping this event. Of course, this is a designated event. And then we know Will Zalatoris. He is going to be out at least until the late fall, had another back surgery, had to uh, pull out of the Masters. So that's why you've seen some adjustment on the opening numbers on the odds board. Uh, in terms of what I plugged in this week, Second smallest greens on tour, and you've got lagoons and coastal waterways that kind of go up numerous holes here. I think strokes gained approach, you know, we use that pretty much every week. And I also did a little bit of general proximity to the hole, not really going by specific yardages, but Ooh, I did that for some extra context this week. 
also used a little bit of greens and regulation gained. And, and a lot of these like ball striking stats are going to have overlap. So you're going to get guys that appear on multiple of these categories. Uh, greens and regulation rate, by the way, here, 60%, which is well above below the tour average of 65%. Uh, and then I also use, like I mentioned, you don't have to be totally long off the tee here. And in fact, Harbortown, second fewest strokes gained off the tee allowed here on the PGA Tour. Uh, the rough is going to be a little bit more penal. But if you look at the last 13 winners, they've averaged, I think, 55th in the field in distance. So I think accuracy is going to be a little bit more important. So I went heavy on good drives gain this week. Also used a little fairways gain. Like I mentioned, the rough has grown here. So I think that they want to make this a little tougher and finding fairways a little bit more important this time around, at least for the 2023 RBC Scrambling gained, I used uh, the winners dating back to 2010, average a rank of ninth in scrambling uh, during their respective winning weeks. Last two winners also here, Spieth and Stuart Sink in 2021, ranked fifth for strokes gained around the green during the respective winning weeks. So I went small with strokes gained around the green. Uh, strokes gained par four, 400 to 450, six of the 11 par fours on this design, measure within those parameters. And then I did, just for context, this isn't something I weighted heavily. I did do strokes gain total Pete Dye designs. And all of these for me were over the last 36 rounds. So, you know, you'll get some overlap with some guys that play well on some of these other Pete Dye designs on the tour. Of course, be the notable one being TPC Sawgrass, uh, the uh, PGA West Stadium course, uh, TPC River Highlands, some of the places where they've had majors on Pete Dye's over the years, Whistling Straits. Uh, Kiwa Island, the ocean course where they played the 2021 PGA. Crooked Stick, where they played that BMW championship a couple times in the FedEx Cup. So those were the ones I looked at when you're looking at Pete Dye designs. And Kelly, what about you? Where did you differ at all in your modeling and stuff this week? And is there anything that you decided to add or remove that you normally have in there? Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of the same stuff that uh, that Wes just uh, just spoke about. I do think that uh, Patrick Cantlay will be one of my uh, probably top rated guys this week. I just wanted to make a comment back. I, I don't really know if he was making a run up that leaderboard uh, map, but a slow, slow, slow walk. A slow walk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had to hold that one. In, sorry. Uh, okay. Anyways, what did I look at this week? Uh, yes, good drives was very important to me this week. As you're talking about, West, I think it's a great note on the rough. That's going to be even more important this year. We, we already hear these guys talk about uh, this being so important year in and year out at this tournament of where you're putting that drive off the tee to position yourself in with a good approach shot into the green. Uh, so that was very important to me. Weighed pretty heavily. Strokes, uh, strokes gained approach, uh, as always, but even more important here, opportunities gained. Um, and then proximities, I played 150, 150 to 200. Uh, saw this note from Ron Close, 48% of approach shots uh, coming 100, uh, between 150 and 200 yards uh, over the past five seasons. I think this is five years. Um, so I think that was pretty big. Uh, added those in and then scrambling around the green, uh, bogey avoidance, stroke game putting. I, I factored in more than more than I usually do because I usually there's a lot of times I don't factor it in at all. Um, and that's pretty much everything for me this week. Yeah, I can't really differ from from you guys where I went with everything. I mean, I think more than anything for me is uh, if we want to talk about a what I removed, right? I mean, 
obviously I was so incredibly heavy on driving distance last week at the masters, whatever. And like, it doesn't even appear in my model this right. week at all. Not a factor. So, not a factor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is absolutely like that's removed from, from my model this week. So that would be something that would be a differentiator from at least last week, if you guys were listening and building possibly off of what we were doing. And I think the other thing for me that I really, you know, again, this week is just going much, much heavier on some of these guys that have kind of long-term approach success, not necessarily uh, short-term as well. I know Kelly, uh, you said that's kind of where you and I differ sometimes when we model, um, Mm -hmm. because you look, you tend to look just more at 24 and 36. I did go back to see some of these guys that have some long-term just approach and proximity numbers. Now, not necessarily that, um, that, that was a huge factoring in the model, but I certainly did want to look and see some of these guys that maybe a course like this, where if we're taking, as Wes mentioned, you know, driver, out of a lot of these guys' hands, and even for the shorter guys that are just the short, accurate dudes, then it really levels the playing field because their driver is the other guy's three woods, and everyone's kind of in the same place. And and we're you know really coming at this thing as not necessarily a second shot course because it is pretty narrow and all this, but like you know I guess for lack of a better term, kind of a second shot course type deal. So that would be I guess the big differentiators for me this week. So as we head into the, of course, listen, guys, each and every week, we want to do this because if there's anything that's that's going on rest of world, we have to know what Wes Reynolds is doing with that. So as yeah. we get going here, let's go around the world with Wes Reynolds. Well, around the world is going to take us uh, right there to uh, South Carolina because uh, uh, no DP World Tour event this week. Uh, so we're going to get that crack and I think next week. And then I believe... Uh, Liv is going to be over next week in Adelaide, uh, Australia. So I, I made that little joke on uh, on Sunday when Phil Mickelson was shooting 65 at the Masters. It's like only Phil is going to be able to shoot 65 at the Masters and ended up T2 and then be T42 <laughs> in the next Live event. And I was looking at that and I wrote that up because I did a little calculation. And Phil Mickelson, by the way, in 10 Live events has an average finish of 31.1 out of a 48 player field. So that's why I'm not yet really buying into, okay, there's a lefty resurgence. I think this is a guy that won three times at that, at the masters that knows how to play this course. So, you know, that's all I'm going to look at it as Uh, there is an LPGA event, by the way, this week, it's not a major, it's on the Ernie L's design out at uh Hawakalai uh, Country Club, if I pronounced that right. So uh, nailed it. Yeah, they are going to be out there uh, for the LPGA event. I believe. Uh, I believe Georgia Hall and Huju Kim are the co-favorites at plus seven fifty. Usually for LPGA, I kind of get involved more in like the majors, which we're going to have one uh, here in a couple weeks. What used to be known as the Misco Dinah Shore, I believe it's now the Chevron Championship new sponsorship. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that, but uh, no DP World Tour, just the RBC Heritage Center stage in golf this week. See, that was around the world with Wes Reynolds this time, Matt. We went so far around the world, we came all the way back to South Carolina. What a Right there on the beach. We're heading down <laughs> to South Carolina for everything, and of course, next week we'll... We will hit on that stuff uh, around the world as well. Guys, whenever we come back, we will run through all the bets that have made our card and also bets that we are just considering maybe dropping in there. Of course, we record this thing on Tuesdays to get it out as early as humanly possible for you. So we do want to give you everything that's in our 
you know, in our possession right now, but also maybe some stuff that might end up on the card as well. And you can also, if you want to go ahead and hit that pause button, go down, hit the five-star review, give us a few words of, of, you know, let's not say criticism, some love, just give us some love down there. That would be great. And uh, help us climb the charts. We really do appreciate that as well. So subscribe, rate, review, wherever you find this here podcast. And we'll be back in just one minute. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. It is VEASAN Long Shots. Matt, Wes, and Kelly here, and it is that time. We're going to break down the bets that did end up making our card this week. Guys, listen, I knew when it, before I hit go on the modeling this week, I knew two names that were going to be towards the top because every time I make and I build this type of model, I knew for sure two of the guys are going to be towards the top. And Damn it, if I wasn't right, I knew exactly two of the guys that I was going to end up having to bet this week. I have a very boring card, and I'm wondering, I'm going to do some self-reflection here. I'm going to do some reflecting after this tournament if it doesn't end up right, because it seems like maybe I'm building the same type of model for the same types of courses, and maybe I need to do some adjustments. But before I even hit sort, fellas, I knew that Colin Morikawa and Tom Kim were going to be at the top of these models, because when you take out driving distance and you go for towards accuracy and approach and and, you know, proximity and things like that. These are the guys that are always going to show up at the top and sure as hell they did again. And so they both have made my card this week. And, you know, again, like I said, maybe I need to figure out if I'm, if I'm not doing this right on these types of courses and stuff, because it, it, I, I knew that Morikawa and Kim were going to be towards the top and, and they definitely were. Wes, um, we can head over to, to your betting card as we go down, but just wanted to let people know that it's, it's kind of a boring card for me, for guys that I kind of knew on these shorter positional ish, like not necessarily driver heavy courses that, uh, th- that tend to gravitate towards the top. And, and, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's not the right approach for me. I don't know. Tom Kim, by the way, was my uh, last leave off this week. So, uh, you know, 
maybe could get in in play, but but he was up there. I didn't end up playing him, but uh, make it two for two on Colin Morikawa, eighteen to one. Uh, despite the fact that he has just one finish in the top twenty five here in three appearances, he's a perfect fit. You would think here with just the way he plays, uh, the distance isn't going to really hurt him. Station to station golf, and he does that as well as anybody. And even when he blew that lead or, you know, John Rahm kind of went and took it away. It wasn't just Colin Marikawa blowing the lead in Kapalua. Yeah. You know, he's third at Torrey Pines, sixth at Riviera, 13th at TPC Sawgrass, top 10 last week at Augusta. And he was number one in terms of the modeling for me this week. Uh, number one, good drives gain. Number three on approach. Number three on proximity. Number three on fairways gain. Number seven on greens and regulations gained over the last 36 rounds. So Colin Marikawa is on the card for me, 18 to one. And then the next one, not the best number because it kind of shortened with the withdrawals. And he really, if you look, doesn't pop, I think, on a lot of the modeled stats, certainly that I have. But it's kind of going with the gut feeling. And it's Cameron Young at 22 to 1, who was third here last year, showed that he could play this station to station target golf where he really, you know, that he can do without his driver, even though his driver really is his best weapon in the bag. Uh, second and seventh in two events with the new caddy, Paul Tesori. And this was kind of a little narrative street play this week. Tesori, of course, last 12 years, last dozen years on the bag with Webb Simpson, who won here in 2020, finished runner up here in 2013, has three other top 11s at Harbortown over the last decade. And maybe this is very similar to what we saw at Bay Hill in Orlando of Kurt Kitayama having Tim Tucker on that bag, who won just a couple years before with Bryson DeChambeau. Sometimes I think having a bag man on the bag with another guy that's won here can really play a factor. So not the best number, but Cameron Young. I also bet Cameron Young. Wes, I want to jump in real quick right there because yeah. we, you know, we were asked over at VEASAN.com to do our kind of wrap up, you know, of, of the masters. And one of the, one of my little blurbs that I put in there was that, that Cameron Young is going to start winning and he's going to start winning soon. I don't know if it'll be this week or not, but it's, he just keeps knocking on the door and he's knocking on the door and he's knocking on the door. And it just seems like there's one little lull in every four round tournament where it's not necessarily that he drops back. It's almost just like the foot comes off the gas and he doesn't continue to, to excel, but man, it is one of those. I I do believe that the wins are going to come for Cam Young. Whenever you look around at it, all the skill set that he possesses, all of the things that we're looking for in the today's modern golfer, he really is right there. So I, I like that pick a lot. I get what you're saying about not liking the number as much, but boy, I, I sure do like the player. And it seems like he is, he's right there on the cusp of, of breaking through and really getting some wins under his belt. Yeah. And, 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 and shop around for him too. I think for the PGA in five weeks up at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, of course, he's from that part of the country. He's going to get bet and he's going to get bet accordingly. I'm trying to see where he is in the market. I think maybe there's still some thirties out there on him, but Cameron Young for the PGA, I think, is something uh, you might want to have in your portfolio, at least early on. Uh, continuing with the card, Matt Fitzpatrick, a little bit above 30 to 1 here. He actually calls this course at Harbortown his favorite course in the world, and he and his family actually vacationed in Hilton Head a lot. He and his brother, Alex, who's now, I believe, on the DP World Tour, trying to get his full status. And they played here and vacationed here frequently during their teenage years. So top 10 in the Masters last week. I was a little bit lukewarm on him going into the Masters because I was worried about that injury, but he put it out there. He feels healthy, had that neck issue early in the season, three top 15s in the past five starts here, fourth in 2021. And then going back to to uh, what Kelly said at the top, 
I did grab that Justin Thomas at 33 to one. And it's really just a price. Uh, he did yeah. miss the cut last week and didn't play great. He was on the wrong side of the weather, though. But keep in mind, if you want to go down Narrative Street, his best bud, Jordan Spieth, did the same thing at Augusta last year, missed the cut, and then won this event on a price drift, went all the way up to 40-1. to 1. So Thomas is a proven winner, too, on Pete Dye's, uh, won the players in 2021. Uh, Shane Lowry at 38 to one third here last year, I actually had him here last year where I thought he was going to win the tournament. He was actually at a two shot lead with just a few holes to play and then chipped one over the green and made a mess of a hole, ended up missing the playoff that went down to Spieff and Cantlay. Uh, T 16 at the masters last week, number one in driving accuracy he hit 50 of 56 fairways, 89.3% over four days, six best in the field T to green. It was really the putter, that held him back, but he's never lost strokes putting here. And then closing out with two, one guy, I went with an old guy here that was not in the field at the Masters last week. But if you just look, he's made a nice little living just in this one event, and that's Matt Kuchar at 50-1, to one, earned $3.3 million here at Harbortown in 19 years. That's nice for one tournament. He is the uh, <laughs> former winner of the Tartan Jacket here in 2014. And then – uh you know, has a lot of top fives, a lot of top tens, was uh, tied for third here last year as well. Thus far this year, he's had some really good finishes, played really good golf. Seventh at the Sony, eighth at the Genesis, made the round of 16 in the Dell match play, beat Hovland and Siwoo Kim head-to-head, was third last time out at the Valero, didn't get into the Masters, he needed to win that. He is currently 51st in the world in the official world golf ranking, so, you know, getting that top 50, then he's in all the majors, essentially, because that's part of the criteria. And I also wonder, this might be a little bit of a reach, but you've got 10 strong that are going to be on that U.S. Ryder Cup team, and then you've got two spots that I think are absolutely wide open with now Will Zalatoris, obviously not going to be ready to go in Rome uh, for the fall. Uh, And, you know, maybe a veteran, you know, Matt Kuchar, maybe that last chance to make a Ryder Cup team. Hey, we could use a veteran because you got so much talent at the top with Young and Shoffley and Cantlay and Scheffler, Spieth, Thomas, et cetera, et cetera, Finau. So you got 10 spots that are pretty much locked in. Maybe Kuchar gets one of those last two. I think he'll be motivated. 50 to one, I think is fair. And then I did have one bomb. And this was a guy that was just kind of like he appeared on a lot of the stuff I modeled. Not in great form, not in bad form, but I just took a shot at a price. Aaron Rye, 180 to 1. Uh, first appearance this year at Harbortown. Second in good drives gained, fourth in fairways gained, fifth in greens and regulation game, 11th for strokes gained around the green. Last 36 rounds. Rye is not a very big hitter off the tee. Obviously, made his name more on the DP World Tour, has a couple victories over there, but this is a guy that can play target golf. So, you know, ended up on seven. I'm trying to keep it around like six to seven a week, lesser for smaller fields, but I got to change. I got buried on the outrights last week, even though the props and the matchups were good too much on the outrights and none of the props got there. So hopefully we land on a winner this week. Kelly, before we get going, Because, play. because you tipped your hand about Justin Thomas a little bit earlier. And listen, it's not just a pod play. It's a world play. Everyone in the world I've seen yeah. this week is on Justin Thomas. I'm on Justin Thomas. You're on Justin Thomas. Wes on Justin Thomas. The number has gotten to a point in which it's just, you know, we're, we just don't see that type of number next to his name. Now, this might just be this might just be fool's gold for us because it's like, again, maybe we're – 
maybe we're holding on to the warm and fuzzies of, of Justin Thomas of the past. Again, it's been a while, you know, been over a year, I think, since we've seen four four solid, you know, rounds in a row from, from Justin Thomas. But again, you get up into the 30s and it's just too much for, for me to pass up. So we do have a pod play there. And then before we get to your card, do, do want to mention Shane Lowry also on my card. So Wes was... Uh, West has Shane Lowry on there. Shane Lowry, really, really high up in my model as well. And then, listen, I put in some tournament history here. And if you look, this guy, you know, as Wes mentioned, I mean, this is one of the guys that really, really rockets up the leaderboard once you factor in this course and this tournament history type stuff. So, uh, Morikawa we shared. We shared um, Justin Thomas also shared uh, Shane Lowry in that one. What does your card look like, Mr. Bidlin? Well, I'll tell you. All right, I'm going to go through the route rights quick because this is real easy. Obviously, JT, we mentioned. And then I played one other guy that's just a price play, really. And um, it's a whole lot of what we saw last week. Max Homa, I'm going back to it. I don't care. We're still talking Max Homa in the 30s. I'm going to keep firing. Uh, did not work out well last week. He did not look too. He, he wasn't on his game. And, and maybe this really is becoming a West Coast, East Coast thing with him. But um, you know what? As much money as we've taken from the book on him, Matt, I'm just going to keep going back to it is what I'm seeing over 30s on him. So I'm in on 33 to 1 on home. The fortunate thing is, is we would have to be wrong a whole lot exactly. to, to give it all back on Max <laughs> exactly. Homa. So like, he, we, we're, we're good enough on Homa to where it would take, it would take a, a hellaciously horrible run before we gave it all back. Yeah, so it, it. it's honestly, so I have him and JT at the same numbers. It was a lot easier for me to make that Homa bet just with that in mind, where I'm like, you know what? This guy's uh, maybe a lot of money over the past like year and a half. So uh, yeah, I'm going to play this again. So yeah, the, I will say those are strictly numbers plays. Um, I, it is not really anything I can back up uh, too intelligently with my models, except if we're talking, you know, let's go back to what do we think what the important things are in this course and approach is going to be super important. These are two, two of the better approach players still in the world. Max Homa, when his short game's going, is one of the best short games in the world. So He's still got that there. I'm not, you know, I'm not as in love with him this week as I was last week, but that's a great, a great price, I think, for an outright play. Matt Wallace, 175 to one is my only other outright play. Matt Wallace has had a really, really uh, entertaining, I guess, roller coaster ride here over the past year after, let's see, what is this? Five missed cuts between November and the beginning of February. He goes 29th at the Honda. Miscut cut at the players, seventh at the Valspar, won the Corrales Punta Cana, obviously that secondary event uh, they were playing. So he was one of the short shots on the odds board anyway. And 28th at Valero. I was kind of surprised at uh, uh, where, you know, Matt Wallace was. And, and obviously taking into account, you know, the weaker fields and all that stuff. He still popped up there for me this week um, in, in multiple different categories. And he's still one of the better guys playing from approach right now. So I took a shot on him at 175 to one. I played him in a matchup over KH Lee and I played the top 20 on him at a bomb price of plus 375. So I got some Matt Wallace love going on this week. I don't have him on my outright card because I've said before, I'm not playing him as an outright until I see him win. And maybe that's me with PTSD from that ROM comeback. But I guess you could sort of make this a quasi pod play because yes, Colin Morikawa, I have a big top 20 bet on him this week. That's where I've decided to go with it, though I'm not firing on the outright. Um, big top 20 bets on him and Sung JM. Uh, him, Sung JM, and Matt Kuchar. Like you talked about, Wes, I'm pretty high on Kuch this week. Uh, wanted to go in the top 20 market with him, though, with obviously a really high class field that he's dealing with this week. 
Uh, but really, those are those are probably my three favorite plays this week. Are those three top twenties on those guys? Um, and then Ben Martin, who's a guy you, I know mm-hmm. we've mentioned a couple times on here. I, I took a long bomb price on him as a top twenty at plus five twenty five. Same kind of thing. He's popping. I think uh, you, you, popping in the models. Obviously, not really. Uh, you know, played in as strong a fields as some of these other guys, but still, uh, you know, what he's doing statistically, I don't think you can really shoot down. So just played a plus 525 top 20 on him. Um, and then I don't know about you guys, man. I played that one tournament matchup with Matt Wallace over KH Lee. There really wasn't many other matchups that I was really liking on the board this week. And, you know, us being in Vegas, not all of them have even been released yet. So still waiting on some of that as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you, Kelly. Uh, in terms of like those uh, placement markets, I'll have Kucher top twenty, and also maybe Ben Martin, maybe like a top thirty or perhaps top forty this week. But uh, yeah, it's a way to attack veteran players. Yeah, I I have I have Ben Martin a top forty play this week, so that is that is on my card. I also have Gary Woodland top forty. This Oof. week, Gary Woodland turning around a little bit. Now, Kelly, I'm not going to go as far as to, to bet Woodland outright because now that is a guy, he might have to win five times for you to get your money back on Gary Woodland. I'll take a top 40 because I think he's trending in the right direction here. Looking you know, good. I don't know if he's ready to go win quite yet, but certainly those numbers that we liked of his two and three years ago are starting to look a little bit more similar here recently. So I did play a top 40 on him. I took a top 20 on Sung J.M., Sungjae's just a top 20 machine. That's just all there is to it. Like, I don't know if he's going to win anything anytime soon, but, like, the guy just top 20s over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm just going to keep riding that train um, with Sungjae on these top 20s. So that's kind of the placement market stuff for for, for me. I already talked more Kawa, JT Lowry, and, and spoiled it on Tom Kim a little bit earlier. The only other three outrights I have are all three just kind of longer shot guys that are more um, guys that I, I – think are more course fit type situations. And again, I will, I will reassess this whole modeling that I've been doing specifically at this type, at this tournament and tournaments like this, if I can't get this figured out, but Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis and Russell Henley are all three guys that are longer numbers. They're, they're guys though, that just when I factored in kind of this type of course, and then this course in particular, of course, we know about Siwoo on die courses as it is anyway, and um, Russell Henley, once you kind of take the driving stuff out of it, he really rockets up the deal. And then Cam Davis is just another guy. Once I start messing around with the stats, he just ends up way higher in the modeling than where his odds currently lie. And so, again, I'm I'm very interested to see how this tournament plays out and to see if I need to kind of readjust how I go about handicapping these type of courses and, and certainly – you know, the, the, the die courses, and if I'm putting too much into these guys that have played die courses well in the past and all of that, but outright card of Morikawa, JT, Lowry, Tom Kim, and then the three longer shot guys of Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, and Russell Henley. I did have a top 20 on Sung Jay and then a top 40 on Woodland and Martin. Um, guys, did Siwoo or Cam Davis or Russell Henley, did, did any of those guys show up in y'all's models at all, or, or am I just on an island here? No, yeah, yeah, Russell Henley did, and Russell Henley is probably something I'm going to use for a top 20. You could probably get him at like 175 or in between that and the $2 range. I think I saw him 188 at BetMGM. So, yeah, he absolutely, he absolutely showed up uh, for me. And then, uh, you know, we mentioned some of the other placement markets. Ben Martin, I think we're all going to be top 40-ish or any type of placement market. Tyler Duncan is another one I'm looking at. Uh, Tyler Duncan, by the way, one note I want to give out just in case people don't know, he's in a matchup market 
uh, if you look at the like the Don Best screen or any of the odd screens, he's matched up against Adam Shank. Adam Shank and uh, his wife are about due to give birth. So this is a guy that could leave the event and withdraw, may start, but not finish the event. So if you're using like Adam Shank in any of your lineups this week or looking in matchups, that's an angle to keep an eye on. Not that we want to capitalize on such a seminal moment, but we're here to make money. So that's something to put out there. Hey man, he's gonna be leaving the course happy if that happens. Right. I don't think we, you don't gotta feel bad about that, Wes. Come we can on. all we can all leave. we can all benefit. Right? That's right. He ain't leaving for a funeral or anything. No. You're okay. And, and and Matt to to answer your question, of course, all three of those freaking guys are, are up there in my numbers. Are you kidding me? And I, I I would have to win just like Gary Woodland. I'd have to win five times on Cam Davis to get all my damn money back. So uh, I'm gonna let you sweat some of those out. But yes, Henley. Uh, Siwoo, I got very close to playing. Siwoo's a Pete Dye guy. Yep, he absolutely is. So I passed on him for now. But yes, Henley, Siwoo, Cam Davis were all up there for for me. And I'm going to egg your house if any of them were. The only other guy I did want to throw out there that did weirdly show up higher than his odds dictate in the model, but I just couldn't pull the trigger, and I don't know why. I don't think I've ever bet $1 on him ever in my whole life was Sepp Straka. He was weirdly kind of up there in these models, and I don't know why, but... um, Again, I didn't pull the trigger on him, but uh, you know, I did want to at least throw that out there to to the listeners in case anyone did want to go that direction. But I, again, I don't know if I've ever wagered one dollar on Sepp Straka, but he was he was much higher in the models than the odds kind of match up for him. Yeah, he was not up there for me. The last thing Sepp Straka just burned me last year at the Honda. That's all I remember about Sepp Straka. Guys, again, as every as every week, head over to VEASAN.com and, and take in all the hard work that Wes puts in, breaking down these courses and, and giving you his plays over there. So please go and do that. And, of course, you can show your support absolutely free for us here on this podcast by just going down. Subscribe, rate, review, all of that does help us out a ton. And so appreciate all the kind words and appreciate any of you guys that have already done that. We do really do uh, – it really does help us kind of get noticed a little bit more whenever people are trying to find some some good – quality golf content out there so do thank you a ton for that you can follow us all on the twitter machine as well if we do have any ads we will try to put those up there and hopefully uh, get those out in time for you to get on your card if you want to go that direction as well for kelly for wes i am matt good luck on all your bets at the rbc heritage at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.